Hey, welcome to the Rundown Brick Performing Arts. We have a lot to run down today, so thanks for joining us. I'm BJ, and I am here with my co-host Elizabeth. Say hi. Hi. Producer Mark, of course. Mark, are you with us? I'm with you. Hey, Mark. And we have a special guest in the studio today, Tatiana Pandiani. Welcome, Tatiana. Hi. You are a Brick Lab artist. Uh, Your Brick Lab is coming up in the spring, and... That music we were just listening to is part of the work, I believe. It was beautiful. Can you tell us what that was? Yeah, that was a song by Jacinta Clusellas, who's the composer and lyricist of this musical. And uh, that was one of the songs from her conceptual album called El Pájaro Azul, The Bluebird. That was beautiful. Thank you for letting us play it. So we, um, for everyone who's listening who has not heard of the, I'm sure you've heard of the Brick Lab program I talk about all the time. Uh, Elizabeth, have you been to any of the Brick Labs uh, this past year? I went to Martha Redbone. Okay, cool. And I went to the most recent one, Layla Bucks. Great. Mark, have you been to any of them? Have you? It's all right. It's all right. I have. Okay. Uh, and I, I can't remember. I think I, it was a woman that almost did she performed almost like um almost like a mime oh cool i think Love a few it. years ago yeah it may have been before me yeah. anyway so the brick lab it's such a fun program for all of us here at brick we invite performing artists into our artist studio for two weeks and they can work on their work theater music dance interdisciplinary I always say to come in with questions about the work that you need to answer and to use the time to answer those questions. It culminates in works in progress showings, and it has support from our production team, from me, from Elizabeth. Uh, it's really, really my favorite program here. And Tatiana is has one coming up in March, I believe. What are the dates? <laughs> March 8th and 9th. Yeah. And... Can you tell it? So it's called Azul Otra Vez, Blue Revisited. Is yep. that correct? Yes. Yeah. There's a title change. We recently changed the title, so I guess the Brick Lab is already working. Because oh. we're already asking all these questions. <laughs> that's yeah, that's great. a new title. So we've been working on it for a while, but it's the first time it's going to have that one. That's great. So tell us a little bit about it. I was so taken with it back when you applied, and I'm still taken with it. And I would love for you to tell the world a little bit about the piece. Yeah. So it's it started... From that conceptual album that we just heard. So Jacinta was inspired by a story, a short story by Ruben Darío. Ruben Darío is long dead now, but was a very important writer from Nicaragua and was sort of um, a man ahead of his time in many ways. He was living in the 1890s and writing in Spanish and in French. Uh, and he has... a a character, a fictional character called the poet in many of his uh, stories and in many of his poems. And it's really him looking at himself um, and the life that he was living at that time as an artist. And in South America, he lived in Chile, he lived in in uh, Argentina, he lived in Paris for a little bit. And especially in South America at that time, it was like a time of a lot of change, uh, sort of late industrial revolution. And so a lot of his work um, has to do with the artist 
living in times of change. And um, that sounds relevant. (laughs) Yeah. And so she, you know, was inspired by one short story in particular called The Bluebird of Bajar Azul and wrote a conceptual album. I would think now it's been out for maybe four years um, around some of the imagery that he, you know, he left behind uh, the character and the themes. And so then she thought there was more there and we started collaborating and figuring out if we could sort of bring in more of his short stories um and that was the beginning of that yeah that's great so you really used the concept album as a jumping off point but that was based on Ruben Dario's poetry yeah great yeah awesome and what has been like the biggest roadblock for you so far I think uh for me I've directed several musicals before but this is the first time that I'm working on something that's completely new uh, and it's in development and it's been a challenge to um, get used to the pace it's very slow Mm -hmm. Um, you know writing a musical is a slow process Um, and for me personally it's it's, I'm, I'm used to directing and it's pretty fast you know it's like three, four, five weeks of rehearsal, you have to make a lot of decisions very quickly, and it's this is a completely different pace. So that's been a personal challenge. Um, but I think that for us as a team, we have two big questions. Um, one is the issue of language. Um, so the, the musical is bilingual. It has a, a book in Spanish and a book in English. It's sort of we have two versions of it, but then all of the music, all of the lyrics are in Spanish. And... I'm interested in figuring out how you do that, especially now, um, especially in a city like New York. So many people live bilingual lives, um, multilingual lives, that it feels like we should be able to do performance in that way as well. Uh, that's much easier said than done. It's actually really hard to figure out how to switch languages in a performance because you need to sort of have some sort of uh, structure, I think, I think, for the audience. Um, and then the other question that we have is when adapting something that's so old um, and that was in a, in a time when, you know, different uh, politics, different demographic, different ideas, we sort of really run into a lot of um, questions about what we update, what we don't update, um, sort of what's the lens that we're putting on it. You know, it's been a hundred and 30 years, Mm. right? So those things come up a lot. Do you have examples of a lens or perspective that is from that time that as you're working on it, you're like, ooh, that's maybe not of the time anymore? Yeah. um, Well, it's funny. A lot of the the things that are actually powerful and we want to keep are things that have to do with – with immigration and and the economy and finances and these questions that he's he's asking, at the same time, you know he was a a, a man and and, uh, and wrote like a man of that time, and so you know all of his female characters and all of the short stories are what feels like sketches, right? They mm-hmm. feel like oh, and then she's over there, you know what I mean? But he has. These fantastic roles for men, mm. right? Yeah. So part of our work is, um, I think, 
doing justice to to the female voices in his work. And um, what's really exciting is that our team, the book writer, is Melis Acker, who is a woman. Um, Jacinta wrote the music. Our choreographer is Paloma Munoz. Uh, and I'm directing. And so the four of us are all women, and so we're confronted by this all the time. He has, you know, like, low, I would say, I mean, he's dead. He's not going to come after me. But I think he has <laughs> low investment in, in sort of the female perspective of the stories. So that's something we have to ask all of the time. That's exciting. Yeah. And talk to me a little bit about the, it's a musical theater piece, or are you calling it a theater piece with music? I guess the distinction isn't, or is it important? What do you think? Uh, so what we're what we're trying is to have uh, the the first act is very much musical theater, okay. um, because it's coming from the stories that the music functions in in the way that we're most used to it functioning in musical theater and in a more traditional way. And so I would consider that musical theater. What happens in the second act is that uh, this fantasy world where all of these characters uh, from his stories um, c- came from. Um, collapses and we see uh, Ruben Darío himself writing the first act, right? And so in that case, in, in, that, in that act, um, the, f- the form changes, right? So the second act is a little bit more of a play with music or performance with music because the music no longer functions like it did in the first act. Interesting. So would you say, I'm trying to make sure I hear you, the first act, the music, is really part of the storytelling, and in the second act, the music is supporting the storytelling? Yeah, I think that's that's a good way of putting it, yeah. That's cool. And so uh, in terms of musical theater writing, talk to me a little bit about your experience or what you feel like is the the state of the American theater in terms of supporting or having women musical theater writers mm-hmm. and Latin American women mm-hmm. musical theater writers or Hispanic identifying musical theater writers. Like, talk to me about the state because when I see who's at the top, you know, I see it's still looking very much the same as it's looked for uh, centuries. And I'm curious how you feel about it these mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very personal question actually for me because I you know I'm from Argentina and I grew up uh, in Buenos Aires and also in the U.S. and I moved you know a lot when I was growing up Uh, and to me and to me musical theater um, is beautiful and so um, so powerful like just you know you listen to music your culture is um, sort of can be Put into music so easily, and um, and so I, I was always growing up a little in awe and of how this form that is so spectacular and you know, the American musical theater um, sort of sounded the same a lot of the time, and I liked it, but a lot of people didn't like it. <laughs> They're like, oh, I don't like that music. Um, and for my family, for my community, that music is music and dance are so pivotal to not exploit this form that is literally telling a story with music and movement, which is what we do all of the time. <laughs> so to me, it was like sort of, it's, it's, it's such a shortcut. Um, so I'm very excited. And I think not just Latin American or South American culture, most cultures, right, have a lot of information and ancestry and stories in their music. So it makes complete sense. I actually think that there is really exciting uh, things happening now. I do agree, and it's kind of like a, you know, slow change mm-hmm. because 
musical theater writing is very slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was at an event a few months ago and Janine Tesori was there and said that um, uh, she thinks it takes seven years to get the musical going, not even to finish it, like it takes seven years. And so I was there with Jacinta and we both looked at each other and we were like, <laughs> five more years? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh no. Um, it's funny, like Janine Tesori is the one we all hang our hat on. We're like, see, we're supporting women yeah. musical theater writers. We've got Janine Tesori. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, we've well, got one. we got one. <laughs> uh, but but I, I, I think it's, I think it's, super exciting and i and i and i i hope that projects like ours continue getting continue to get support and um uh, from places like brick and others that understand how slow of a process is is you know we're not going to be here and then leave with a musical and <laughs> you know um and i hope and i hope and i think like i'm very excited by people who don't share my cultural heritage that are excited from listening to they're excited to listen to this music you know it's like oh I don't understand you know it's like Mm -hmm. no what is this I want to know like that curiosity I think is what's going to get this kind of work to happen more I hope yeah yeah well Brick really believes in it I believe in it everyone in this room believes in it we've all listened to it and we're really excited that you're here oh that's good and so the showings are on March 8th and 9th Mm mm-hmm at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. They are only $8 in advance. And yes, you must pay for the showing because people who pay are more likely to come. If I made them free, people would just like RSVP and then not show up. So they're $8. Oh. <laughs> um, what is your favorite musical, Tatiana? Mm. Um, let's see. I love a little night music. Mm. Um, like the old the yeah. old stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's sort of yeah. so beautiful. Um, but you know, I when talking about Janine Sawyer. You know, I, I you know, Fun Home. Like many people, I loved. I thought you know it was. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, they they got it so right. They it was still musical theater. Mm-hmm. You know, with all the tropes. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. rebelling like over. Oh, you know, so they they got all the tropes in, and it was still. It felt so new. Like, you know, like something I hadn't seen before. Uh, so I, I think from the past, let's say the last years, I think that's my favorite. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, what about you? Do you have a favorite musical? I saw Fun Home as well. Um, back in, God, it must have been like 2015? Yeah. Sure. Um, but <laughs> I I fell in love with it, too. Um, and it was really interesting. I had, like, just finished reading the graphic mm-hmm. novel as well. Um, so it was really cool to see um, the story in, like, a completely different light. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Mark, did you do you also agree that Fun Home <laughs> is the best musical <laughs> of the past five years? I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> I read oh, the no. graphic Oh, we're novel. collectively saying that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I liked, I saw Chorus Line when I was really young. Yeah. And it was so, Holla. it was so New York. I was like, what is this place and these actors? And I just, I was so enraptured with it. And it's still, I think, that childhood view of it. I haven't seen it in however many years since I was younger, but I, that's still, like, that excitement. Yes. Is that why you moved to New York? I've, I'm finding there's, like, there are pieces of media that are so embedded that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is from John Travolta. This is why I'm doing this thing or, or course. I think so. Like, those early pieces of New Yorkism that you just, that are so... Uh, they're so influential. I think Chorus Line is one of those. I'm yeah. sure a lot of people feel that way, even Absolutely. if you weren't coming here to be an actor. For mm-hmm. sure. 
I feel like we're due for a chorus line revival. It's a good Doesn't call. it seem like yeah. time for that? I feel like they the they come up, they come back every mm. now and then. Uh, so if anyone out there is a producer and listening, I think it's time for a chorus line revival. <laughs> Watch it like already be in process, and I'm just really late to the party. Um, well, again, Tatiana, we're so excited that you're here. March 8th and 9th, uh, 7 o'clock, only $8. Um, what else is coming up? So we've got a couple other Brick Labs coming up before Tatiana's. Uh, we've got a piece uh, by Kamala Sankaram that's looking at uh, privacy in the digitized world. And we have a dance piece coming up by Brotherhood Dance that is looking at food justice in black and brown neighborhoods. And um, they are going to be actually serving like collard greens and cornbread and talking about food justice mm. during their time here. Uh, so uh, check that out as well. And then we also have the Knights coming up, the orchestral collective that's here in residence. They perform here uh, eight times a year. They'll be here in February on February 3rd and 4th. They'll do their evening concert, and then they'll do their family matinee. Uh, they've got Katya. Okay, so I looked up how to pronounce this, and I couldn't figure it out. Is it Herbers or Hair Bears or Herbers? Terrible pronunciation. I know, and I'm not. I swear, I'm not being pejorative in any of those pronunciations. I legitimately don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, Katya from Westworld and the Americans and the Leftovers is going to be singing in the their um, upcoming concerts on the third and fourth. Uh, and if you have any little ones, the the family matinees are amazing. It's all ages. Folks come and go in and out. Like the the young people, they run up and down the stairs. They coo, they cry, they mm-hmm. leave if they need to. They come back when they need to. Colin and Eric, who are the artistic directors of the nights, they talk to the young people. They invite them up to dance on stage. They explain the instruments. They hang out with them afterwards. It's such a great experience for young people. So um, if you have any young ones in your family, definitely check that out on February 4th. And then I think we announced Brickhouse Sessions. We did. Um, What's happening? We (laughs) announced Brickhouse Sessions, and tickets are on sale as well, and they're selling very well. Um, So that will kick off. It's an eight, about an eight-week program, um, and it kicks off on the 22nd of February with Macumba and Mindingo Ambassadors. Um, And actually, the Knights will play the final show. That's right. Uh, which will be on April 12th, um, and they have this great trio called the Black Sea Hotel that will be opening for them. Um, But yeah, this is our third year doing the Brick House Sessions, um, and it's a great experience. We always have, you know, an opener on our stoop and a DJ before that, um, and then everyone makes their way into the ballroom for the headliner. But we have really great acts lined up. Um, so yeah, it should be exciting. Yeah. More to come on that. Uh, thank you. So, um, we always close every episode with, um, like a personal question or like things that we're thinking about. Uh, Elizabeth, what do you have the question of the day? (laughs) I thought, well, it's Oscar season. Um, and I thought maybe we could talk about maybe what everyone's favorite film so far, what they think might win Best Picture. Okay, okay. Um, I love going to, seeing all the nominations for Best Picture, or I try to. You make sure you see the film? Yes, all the films that are nominated for Best Picture. So I still haven't seen, I don't think the official nominations are out yet, but 
based on the Golden Globes. I still haven't seen three <laughs> billboards, which I'm dying to see this weekend because I have a feeling that's going to be my favorite. Okay. Um, but what I, from what I have seen, I really loved Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I okay. wanted to hear what you guys thought. Um, thank you for that question. Aren't there like 10 movies that get nominated these days? Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of movies to it see. It is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but major shout out to Martin McDonough. I have not seen Three Billboards yet, but I'm a massive Martin McDonough fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually comes from the theater world. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> thank you, Tati- Tatiana's like, yes, my theater girl <laughs> across the table. She's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. preach, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Tatiana? What are you excited about? I have, you know, I haven't seen Three Billboards either. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to see it soon. Who else is? I don't know. Who, I don't know. I'm, um, who else is on the, on the table? Lady oh, Bird. thank you, Mark. Thank uh, you for bringing water. up the woman director mm-hmm. as we're all talking about the man director. I, I, <laughs> I, right. I really liked Lady Bird, even though I felt like uh, the hype was really high. Mm. You know what I mean? So everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And then I went to see, it and I thought it was beautiful. But it, it it was it was one of those things, you know, that happens when people try to oversell. But it reminded me a lot of Juno, which came out when I was much younger, and like it was like a movie. I was like, "Oh, this is so weird and warm." And that's what Lady Bird felt like yeah. to me. I liked it a lot. I'll have to check that out. Didn't. That director, I keep hearing that the director keeps getting snubbed by awards, and maybe she shouldn't be. Greta, it's Greta, Greta, Greta. Gerwig. Okay. Um, it, although it did win at the, I forget what it won. I think it won. It won best, you know, how they lump it in as like best comedy or musical. She, she, I, I just don't know. think she's getting, she like, did. as a director. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Film. She's like not even getting nominated. Is what I heard. I'm sh- so it's no one, not hard well, to believe. No one quote me on that. I'm not. I'm not looking at the news on my phone right now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I totally space that it's Oscar season. Uh, when when Tony season comes along, though, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that, those will be. I'll, I'll join you in that conversation. Okay. <laughs> um, Thanks, everyone, for for listening to the rundown. Did we miss anything, Elizabeth? I know we had a lot to make sure we told people was coming up, I think. Um, I think those are the main things. We'll we'll also have uh, the second uh, open festival in April, but that's that's not for a while, so we can talk about that more More in the next episode. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) The main thing is come see Azul Otra Vez, Blue Revisited, by Tatiana and her team. And Tatiana, will you tell us what we are listening to on our way out? It looks like we're about yeah. to play something else from Jacinta. Yeah, you're going to hear a little bit from Remanso de las Estrellas, which is another song from uh, Jacinta's album. And this one is in a moment in the show of travel, where the artist leaves home to find a better place to make his art, which I think a lot of us here might connect to. So this is Remanso de las Estrellas by Jacinta Cruzellas. Thank you, Tatiana, and thanks for listening to The Rundown. Thank you.